So let me begin. I want to ask ask you all a question out there. What are your What are your hopes? What What do you hope for? What are you you hoping for right now? And I know as I ask, as I ask that question, that we can sort of uh, subdivide our hopes, right? We can talk about our present day immediate hopes for the immediate future. And then there are what we call long-term hopes, or sometimes what we call our dreams, right? Well, this is my dream to do this, but our long-term hopes. What are, what are your life goals, as often people talk about? I know for many of us, perhaps you don't know what those are, but some people like to break their hopes down into nice little segments, like you know, a five-year plan, right? a 10-year plan, Okay, let's just focus on on this amount. I, you know, recently I um I, I opened an IRA account um, because one of my hopes is that when I retire, um, myself and my family will, you know, and Sarah will have enough money to um, to be okay when we retire. But I bet most of most of our immediate hope for many of us is that a cure, a vaccine, is found for this virus that is um, ravishing our society right now. You know, I bet some more immediate hopes are that for social distancing uh, restrictions to be eased, for life to return to some kind of normal. You know, along with our hopes, we also have our beliefs. Our beliefs. And essentially our beliefs are the things we put our faith in. And we also tend to attach the word belief to a religious... um, you know, belief to a religious um, setting, but actually beliefs can be in all kinds of things that aren't anything to do with God. There, there, there are systems that we put our faith in. That's essentially what our beliefs are. And so, for many of us, um, maybe we put our faith in all kinds of things. We may have faith in God, but then we have faith in many uh, daily things. For example, many of us um, have faith that the doctors and the medical researchers are going to find a vaccine at some point for this virus. Um, we have faith, we, have, we, t- we trust and believe that the, the experts are working on that, at some point a vaccine will show up. But it's, it's faith right now, because so far we don't have a vaccine. You know, we have faith, um, although for some of us it may be running thin, but we have faith that our elected officials and leaders are looking out for our well-being and safety. And you know what, come November, when you cast your vote, be it for, for Biden or Trump or an independent um, person, to some extent you are putting faith and belief in that person. So we, we have our hopes and we have our beliefs that inform our faith. But here's the thing, if, if our hope and our faith is only grounded in humanity, in what we can do, if it's only grounded in, in uh, the ability and the skills of us as people, as humanity, then ultimately that hope and faith at some point will crumble. It will, it will let you down. You'll end up being um, disappointed in life. Um, but this passage we read in First Peter this morning, Peter tells us that there is actually a far greater reason and foundation for our hope and faith in this life. And so as we as we look at this passage this morning, I want you to keep in mind and keep in light 
of the times that we are living in right now. I want you to think about applying this to your lives right now and what's going on and how you're feeling about everything. And if you're feeling maybe a little hopeless right now or like your faith is, is faltering right now, then I really believe that this message is for you today, that it's going to speak to you. Let, let God's word just kind of pour over you and feed you. So when we jump into verse 3 here of the first chapter of First Peter, Peter right off the bat, he begins by praising God. It's, just, it's such a joyful sentence. He says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It just oozes joy. Um, and why is he so joyful? Why is he so full of joy? Because of what Jesus has done for him. And therefore what he's, what he's done for us. What's Jesus done? Well, verse 4 lays it out. It says, in his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's given us new, new birth. That phrase, new birth, um, it's, it's what happens to us when we welcome and we accept Jesus into our lives as our Lord and Savior. What happens is we are washed anew and we're given a new nature by God. It is like a new birth. You see, Scripture teaches us that without, without Christ, we're spiritually dead. We may be alive physically and what have you, and, but we're spiritually dead. But when Jesus comes into our life, we are born afresh. We're born anew. Born again, as the Bible says. Or born from above, actually, is, is a more direct translation. And by that, it allows our spirit to have communion and relationship with the living God. And that's just, it's amazing, it's awesome. I know it's hard to digest, but that is the reality of what goes on. And on top of that, Peter calls it a living hope. A living hope. It's alive, it's active. It's not a dead hope, but it's a hope that gives us life and sustains us. And it's one that's actually based on the greatest event to take place in history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy sometimes to forget that. Uh, even as, you know... Um, as Christians, as mature Christians, we forget sometimes that our faith, it's not, it's not based on some kind of, you know, uh, airy-fairy sort of belief that can't be substantiated. No, it's based on a real historical event that can be corroborated by eyewitnesses and historical documents. Our faith is based on a true and historical event. And we have to keep that in mind. Our hope is a living hope because it is, it is a true hope with a solid foundation. You know, there are, there are two letters difference between the word hype and hope. And actually, I think there should only really, really be one letter's difference. If we actually spell hype the way it would make sense, which is H-I-P-E. <laughs> but, as it is, there are two letters difference. But there's a big difference between hype and hope. And our hype, or rather our hope, <laughs> is not based on hype. It's not based on hyperbole, on exaggeration. It's built on the solid foundation of the cross of Christ and his resurrection. What does the resurrection do? Well, for those of us, the resurrection does for all of us that put our faith in Jesus is it gives us, as Peter goes on to say in verse 4, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Um, you know, something I see a lot working with families, um, doing funerals and things like that, is you see what, how um, much animosity inheritance issues can bring into the family. 
all of a sudden brothers and sisters are at each other's neck because they're all um, hustling for their piece of the inheritance and they don't realize this inheritance it will it will spoil it will perish it will fade and you know and often people who have no faith um, or just really don't have any belief in God or whatever um, often one of their biggest goals in life um, one of their biggest hopes in life is to leave a legacy you hear people saying this all the time I just I want to leave a legacy I want people to remember me I want to have had an impact on those around me and you know those things in of themselves they're not a bad thing but everything needs to be in its place because ultimately these things they are things that will eventually perish will eventually spoil and fade and you know every king emperor and tyrant who has lived has wanted to establish an empire a legacy that will span hundreds and thousands of years a legacy of their reign and their power. They want to go down in the history books and be remembered forever. You know, um, the Roman Empire is in the Guinness Book of Records for being the longest lasting history, uh, empire in history. It lasted almost 1,500 years. 1,500 years, 1,500 years close to. Imagine if that empire was beginning today. That means if it was beginning to, in this year, 2020, it would last until the year 3520. Staggering. That's an incredible amount of time. Over a millennium. And yet, the Roman Empire is no more. Yes, our Western society has been uh, vastly shaped and influenced by the Roman Empire. But one day, all this will be gone as well. The only empire, or rather, should I say, kingdom that will matter is God's eternal kingdom that will last forever, will not perish, will not spoil, will not fade. And our inheritance is to that eternal kingdom that is kept in heaven for you, as verse 4 tells us. That's why we have so much joy, even in the times we're in, because we know we have an eternal inheritance that is far greater than anything that can be left to us in this world. And you know, verse 5 um, is an important verse in in this passage and actually it's important to remember that um, this whole passage I read you this morning from first Peter um, chapter 1 verses 3 3 through 12 are actually one long sentence in the Greek it's one continuous stream of thought that people that Peter is trying to to share with us here we we kind of put these artificial sentences and verse numbers in our English translations but that wasn't there in the Greek so this is all one long sentence all one long thought of Peter's and he says in verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So when we combine that with verse 4, we're told that we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And that this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is going to be revealed when Jesus returns. So why is, why is that significant? Why is that such a, an important verse? Well, essentially what Peter is telling us here is he's telling us that our salvation is secure. You know, I come across many, many folks who are um, earnest believers in Christ, and yet they have a fear, they have a question, what if, what if, what if I lose my salvation? What if I don't make it? Um, I've struggled with some of those questions myself in the past. But when you look at verses like this, it's clear that when you are truly 
brought into the family of God, when you are adopted as a son or daughter, which is what happens when you embrace Jesus, then through our faith in Jesus, we're told right here that we are shielded. That word means protected by God's power until the coming of our salvation, which is when Jesus returns. So God is the one who keeps our eternal salvation secure through our faith. And I want to just, I just, I want to uh, reassure you there that if you're battling with this question, first of all, if you're battling with it, that's probably a good sign actually that <laughs> you truly are in the family of God. And secondly, look to the scriptures that assure us that your salvation, your inheritance with, with the Lord is, is secure. And this is the reason, this is the reason that Peter says we can rejoice, that he says we can be joyful even during the tough and difficult times in our life. And I know that many of us um, might right now be going through tough and difficult times in our life, or you have gone through difficult times in your life. But listen to what Peter says. He says, that's why, in verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Notice Peter says there, though now for a little while. He's letting us know that whatever you're going through right now will not last forever. It will not last forever. It's going to end at some point. Whatever you're going through, you have to realize that it will end at some time. This, this coronavirus will not last forever. I know it feels every day, every week, there's new restrictions and new extensions going into law, but it will not last forever. Social distancing and face masks will not last forever. There will come an end to this, and our Lord and Savior already knows the day, the time and the day, when this will be done. And we need to stay in that place of knowing where our faith and our hope needs to lie. But Peter doesn't just leave us hanging there. He actually goes on to explain why we have trials in our life. Um, he's in verse 7 here, he says, there are, These have come, and he's talking about our trials, so that the proven genuous of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what Peter's doing here is, is, is he's comparing our trials and our sufferings to gold being refined in the fire. And notice something, fire doesn't destroy gold. It doesn't destroy it, it purifies it. And in the same way, trials don't destroy our faith, they refine it, they strengthen our faith, they purify it. So actually, trials and difficulties are necessary in our life to develop our faith. It's, God's not punishing us, God's equipping us when we have troubles and trials in life. It is not God punishing you necessarily, it is in trying to build you up and to equip your faith. If faith is not tested, you'll never know if it's genuine faith. Faith shows its genuineness in its testing and you coming through the fire, refined and purified. You know, there's a reason they have boot camp in the military. Okay, I'm sure anybody who has gone through boot camp in the military did not enjoy it. It's hard work, it's taxing on the body. But there's a reason the military does that. It's not to punish uh, their soldiers. It's to strengthen them. It is to refine them. And so there is, there is a certain part of trials and difficulties in life that are a way of training and equipping and boosting our faith. And ultimately, Peter makes the point, he makes the point though that ultimately gold does perish. But our faith, when it is proved genuine, will it will never 
perish. And it actually leads to praise, honour and glory to God through Jesus Christ. So as we look at the, the last uh, couple of verses of this passage here, verses 8 through 9, Peter actually, Peter actually gives us four directives about Jesus, four, um, four instructions. And these are, these are, number one, love him. Secondly, believe in him. Thirdly, rejoice in him. And fourthly, receive him. That's what Peter's telling us about Jesus. Love him, believe in him, rejoice in him, and receive him. Listen to verse 8 and 9 here. Peter says, Though you have not seen him, he's speaking of Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want us to focus in for a second on that second directive where he says believe in him because this is how our hope is connected to our faith you know there's there's no question that there's there's a lot of hopelessness in the world right now especially in this part of the world uh, we have in fact an epidemic of loneliness and a despair that often leads people to, to drugs and alcohol abuse uh, and in fact to all kinds of abuses why? Because many people have no true lasting hope. I believe that is one of the, the big issues here is that people are feeling hopeless because they don't have a solid eternal hope. They've put their hope in things that actually that perish, that fade and spoil. You know, I, um, I came across an interesting tweet this, re uh, this week from um, the actress and uh, the Me Too uh, activist Rose McGowan who herself, she was a victim um, uh, of Harvey Weinstein's. And she was lamenting on Twitter about um, the accusations towards uh, Joe Biden and what she perceived as, as a double standard about how it was being treated. And she wrote the following on Twitter. <clears throat> she said, quote, I used to be a proud Democrat. I used to be a proud American. I thought democracy meant I had a right to choose those who lined up with my value system. But what if there's no one? What if there's no one? There's, there's a hopelessness. My, I, my heart actually went out to her. I, I, I felt so much uh, sympathy and uh, just pain for her because there's hopelessness in that tweet because she's having a revelation that everything she had put her faith in and her hope in seems to be letting her down. And it's a reminder to us folks that our hope is not found in a political party. It's not found in your country or your patriotism. It's not found in a value system. It's found in Christ alone. That's where your true and living hope is truly found. Everything else at some point most likely will let you down. But Jesus never ever lets us down. He never forsakes us. He never leaves us. And I, I'm convinced that unbelief is the foundation of hopelessness. That's, that's what's the malady of our society right now today. It's a spirit of unbelief. But if unbelief is the foundation of hopelessness, then what does that make belief? Belief is the bedrock of hope. Belief and faith in Jesus Christ. In what can and what it does, what Jesus does is give us a living hope that will never die or spoil or 
will fade, but will last forever. And that's why we have every reason to be full of joy and expectation, even in the midst of the mess we're in right now. You know, have you ever been involved like in a sporting event or, or something that's really hard and it's kind of a competitive event and you, you feel like your energy's fading? You know, imagine a boxer in the 12th round, okay, and he's ahead on points, but he's just fading. He's got no energy left and the contender's making a comeback. And he just doesn't know if he can make it through the, the rest of the round. And then his corner shouts, 30 seconds to go, 30 seconds to go. And all of a sudden, what happens? You get this boost. You get this sense of, you know what? I can do this. I can make it. I can hang on for 30 seconds because I know that I have an inheritance at the end of this that will make all my pain and suffering look like nothing. It will make it worth what I went through because of the reward I will receive. And that's what we get to in verse 9 where it says, Receiving the goal of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. It is the greatest gift that we can be given. is salvation by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Folks, that's real faith and that's real hope. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would show us that um, where our real faith and our real hope needs to be placed. And it's in you, Lord. It's not in the systems and the, the value systems of this world, Lord. They're not wrong in of themselves necessarily, Lord, but teach us that that's not where our living hope is. That's not where our eternal inheritance is. And I pray, Lord, that when, when we get down and we get overwhelmed with the events that are going on in the world, Lord, remind us that we have an eternal inheritance waiting for us, stored up for us in heaven, that will last forever. And that whatever trials we are going through right now, Lord, they are temporary. They will not last forever. And just, Lord, help us to, to carry through the trials like that, like that boxer in the 12th round, Lord. Give us that renewed energy, that strength, Lord. But help us to rely on you, not on our own strength, but on you, Lord. Because that is where our true strength comes from. So, Lord, I pray that you would keep us encouraged during uh, these difficult times, Lord. Uh, remind us of where our real faith and real hope is found. Pray this in the name of our true hope and faith, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.